while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Hey, welcome back to the show. We have former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. He's still with us. Uh, and uh, we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. Good evening. Yes, good evening there, Bobby. Big Al, what's up? Not much there, buddy, but I'm going to tell you, I'm a little uh, upset with uh, the current mayor of the city of New Bedford, John Mitchell. Why is that? And I want to explain why, because you and uh, Chris actually thought my idea was a great idea with the parking garage on Elm Street, on the Union Street, rather. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? I thought you talked to Tim about that. Yeah, I did, and he uh, he actually shot the idea down. Okay. But uh, the idea is, that area is... Uh, the ideal location for a parking garage, a high-rise garage, that you can put at least a thousand cars in it. After all, downtown parking is a premium, and obviously, John Mitchell doesn't realize that. So, I hear that he wants to put a 500-car parking uh, facility down by the water. That's not going to be sufficient. That's not going to be uh, uh, smart at all. I mean, where I made the re recommendation, right on Union Street would be perfect. I mean, the uh, people that were going to be using possibly the commuter rail, you could park them people there and show them to the train station by the third bus company. So, where was this parking station uh, garage on Union Street that you're proposing? Like, uh, there's a, a sign on the Union Street side that says "Black Lives Matter." Oh yeah, yeah, I remember this now. I remember. Okay. Yes. Now I remember. The deal is, if you were to develop that area, Marcus, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take a page from your book. It would be fair to say, and let the record reflect without prejudice, that that area is ideal for that high-rise parking garage. L listen, listen. We've actually got uh, Mayor Lang here, so let's let's ask uh, Mayor Lang. Mayor Lang, is there the space that he's talking about? Is that conducive to a parking garage? If, if it's if it's that uh, if it's that open. Lot where that where, they, where, they where they the use, Keystone furniture used to be. Yeah, they use bookstores. Yeah, like around there, there yeah. is uh, unless you had a vertical lift, uh, there's not sufficient space to, or, or unless you started knocking down buildings, which I'm not in favor of, and I don't think you are. Uh, that that doesn't work. The other, let me just tell you the rule of thumb on a parking garage. R parking garages are are uh, you know you want them, but you don't want to see them. You don't want them near the water because you're trying to maximize your your water uh, presence, your water mixed use. The 
the interesting thing is that we've got the Elm Street and we have the Z parking garage. Neither one uh, are used uh, to maximum capacity. You do have a couple of lots. The old telephone uh, company building on uh, 6th Street has a massive lot that is uh, to the south of the old district court on the other side of the street of the old telephone building. And uh, that's a possibility for parking. I also think that you have to think differently about parking now because, in a, you know, be, people say, well, there's no parking downtown uh, or it's difficult to find parking. Then they'll go to the mall and they'll walk four blocks from where they park in the, in the mall parking lot to the store. So we have to think differently when you've got, you know, a, a city. You have to figure out where, you, where you're going to put your cars. Do you have shuttle buses, as you just said, which is great. Uh, that that's a great idea. We don't forget we did that great idea tour right in in uh, <laughs> it's a while back now. But after I was elected, and people like yourselves came and they gave every idea they possibly could. We should still be doing that. And I, I don't think that the mayor is against uh, hearing new ideas. So I think it's great that you shared that. Uh, but uh, but I would not want a parking garage uh, on Union Street or on the water at this point. I'm trying to maximize our ability. We're very tight in space downtown. We're very tight in space in the city. So you don't want to take up, if you can help it, unless it's a blighted area, something like that. You don't want to take up valuable space with a parking garage, especially when we have two downtown that aren't maximized. We also had, don't forget, at uh, uh, Custom House Square, we had a parking lot that was used during the day or, you know, used by the businesses and then was easily convertible to community space so there's about 40 spots there i believe that we you know we have to make up and yet the both garages are not are not uh, used to capacity so that's what i would say Miguel. happy happy uh holidays uh stay well be careful and uh thanks for calling in thanks al you're welcome so scott i actually have something for you so um my mother, uh, as I may have told you before, had started a uh, nonprofit organization that is geared towards providing opportunities for employment and extracurricular uh, sort of activities, social activities for individuals with autism. And uh, one of the things that she does, uh, one of the things that they do is make clothing, accessories, and et cetera. So one of the projects they decided to take on uh, for, for Chris and me was to make these uh, commemorative uh, mugs for the guests that we have on South Coast tonight. And since you're the very first guest and continue to be the first guest, we wanted to give you the first mug, That's the great. first South Coast tonight mug here uh, live on air. Can I, can I open oh, this up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So this is, this is a square box. It's white. <laughs> and it is uh, a cube. And it has a lid on the top that you can easily open. And I'm opening it now. <laughs> if at some point I'm not describing this accurately, it has two, uh, basically it has two uh, folds that you open up in order to expose the mug, which I've just done. The inside of the cube is cardboard color. Now I'm pulling the mug out, which is wrapped in plastic. And it is a old-fashioned coffee mug. That's the only way I can describe it. It is white, and what it says on it is Marcus and McCarthy. And on the other side? And on the other side, it says, 
thank you, Scott, for being our first guest. <laughs> Actually, on the other side, it doesn't say that. That, that is not correct, right? That is <laughs> no, not, it no. is not correct. On the other side, it says 1420 WBSM South Coast Tonight, which is the address that I am at right now, South Coast Tonight. On the bottom, it is a Orca Coatings, and it is it is uh, it shows an Orca, and it is a great great coffee mug. I'm going to use it, and I will. Uh, uh, I want you to tell your mom and everyone involved in uh, in designing and manufacturing. And he said, "I really appreciate it. This will go right on my desk. Anyone comes to see me, they will see." Marcus and McCarthy coffee mug. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being our first guest, Scott. We appreciate your continued contribution, both as a sponsor for your uh, for your law practice, Lang, Lang Exaferis uh, and Bullard, where people can go to get comprehensive legal services, and for being our first guest and continuing to be our first guest on the program. So, so I appreciate that. The thing that I've never asked, though, is that I think you're on the air about six weeks before I was asked to come on. I think, was it just dead air for that six weeks? How did that work? Yeah, we didn't do anything. We just sat here mute. Am I fooling myself thinking yeah. I was the first guest? You, no, no, we, uh, we, we, you were. We didn't book anybody. We didn't even talk. I appreciate We couldn't that. do it. I feel yeah. much better about it now. So this is a great gift. I really appreciate it. Now, I have put it back in the box. I've secured it. I'm bringing it back to the office. I'm going to take it out and put it on my desk. I'm going to do that uh, in the next day. Um, and I want you to tell your mom that's very nice of her. I, I've met Chris's mom. She, I'm sorry, I've met Marcus's mom. And uh, I've heard Chris talk about his mom and, and dad regularly on this show. But I've met Marcus's mom. She's a very, very nice lady. She's extremely proud of Marcus, which she should be. And, uh, and, and this, is, this just is uh, a goodwill present. I appreciate it. Now, let me ask a, a couple of questions here. Okay. As far as uh, I know next week now, you've indicated Monday night means it's the football game which yes. will be a good game yeah uh you have any ideas on that game at this point yeah so the pats and the i don't know it's it's hard to say because i don't know if Carl, kyler murray's playing first of all a quarterback for the for the cardinals um that will be a big indication of how i think this game will go the the cardinals have significantly underperformed cliff kingsbury has i think is is on his way out and i think the patriots have the defense to contain that uh, offense, even with Kyler Murray. And I think that their offense can be competent enough against, I think, a fairly middling uh, defense in the Arizona Cardinals. Although I do have, you know, grave concerns uh, about that, uh, about their ability to move the ball. Um, but I would, I would, I would, I would say a Patriots victory. So it's, at a, this it's an away game. It's, I think it is an away game. Yeah, so, yeah. Which means that, you know, right off the bat, the, the uh, Patriots have a little bit of a disadvantage playing in, an, in a, uh, a different locale, a different time the, zone. Right? The Patriots are currently favored by a point and a half. That's interesting. So yeah. I want, and it all depends on whether Murray is playing or not, right? Cause yeah. Because not, I, if he's not, I, I so if if this is if that's baked in, if him not playing is baked into this projection, then I imagine um, if he did play, that line would swing in the Cardinals' favor. If that's not baked in, um, and he doesn't play, I imagine New England's lead, uh, New England's um, uh, 
uh, spread would expand uh, a bit. So Murray's Murray's had a, a not uh, not spectacular year, whereas uh, the last couple of years it looked like he was going to be young, up and coming quarterback, kind of like a Mahomes type yeah. of vintage. Right? He was having an MVP caliber season, I think, just last year or the year before, and, and he got a big contract. And and uh, one of the things in the contract that people <laughs> yeah. uh, cited was that there was a clause in there that said. It, we're giving you this contract, but you have to start studying uh, offenses, our offense and defenses, much more than you do. Uh, there was which, there was a minimum amount of there was like a required minimum of film film time, which right. which is offensive. If you're a quarterback, you should be doing that anyway. Yeah, it shouldn't need to be written down, right? Yeah. And it's it's uh, and he was offended by it. I, I remember I was negotiating a, uh, a player's contract one time, and I said, okay, so if he makes the All Star team, I'd like you know. And these are different numbers than they are lay, obviously, but mm-hmm. like ten grand more. And if he, if uh, if you make the team makes the, uh, uh, you know, the quarterfinals, whatever, ten grand more. And and the general manager said, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop. Do you think we're paying him this amount of money, which was one of the higher salaries in the NBA at the time? Because we don't think he's going to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, right. Or we yeah. don't. You don't think he's going to get to the quarterfinals. You don't think he's going to be an all star. He said, if that's the case, then what the heck? Yeah. Are we negotiating this contract? We're pa- we're paying an all star, right? So if you pay a quarterback in the NFL, you expect that you're going to get the the uh, you know the off season uh, workouts. You're right. going to get all the film study and everything. He's been a disappointment, though. It could be the coach. Then the, there's some very interesting games going on this weekend, and now it is the time to start watching. The NFL because they're it, you know it's the rubber meets the road now as far as these playoff standings. Brady's going out to San Francisco, mm-hmm. but Garoppolo's not available. Yeah. Otherwise, that would have been a Brady versus Gar- Garoppolo deal. Well, well, that 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 um that quarterback that he was Mister Irrelevant. Uh, the the one that came in for Garoppolo, Mister Irrelevant, is the guy who was drafted dead last in the draft, the very last pick, and that was Brock Purdy. And Mister Irrelevant has never been a good player, uh, but he's the first Mister Irrelevant to throw a touchdown, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. I thought he played really well against a good team. It's, it's, it's the other thing people forget is anybody who's drafted is a world class athlete. Well, know, that very, that too. That, that's very yeah, funny because that too. And it's all it's it's good luck. It's lack of injury. It may be coaching. You know, it's always it's always interesting to me that you hear well the uh, 230th player is now starting, and you go well he probably if anyone had seen him yeah. before and thought about it, he may make it. What did you think of uh, uh, what went on at the winter meetings in, in baseball, Marcus? I have no opinion on it. Okay, so so the Red Sox had an active uh, day, but they were con- everything was contingent on re-signing Bogarts, and and they weren't able to do it. I don't know. They signed a uh, an outfielder who had been playing in the my, Japanese league. My understanding of the Red Sox ownership uh, is that. They don't seem to be willing to commit to retaining players that they need to retain to compete for championships, right? I think that's right. Yeah. Mookie Betts uh, yeah. was is the chief example going to L.A. Right. and then winning a World Series, I believe, immediately afterwards. Right. Going back further, it was Lester. Yeah. Lester, uh, Betts, and now and now we have Bogarts. We also, Velasquez, we'll see if they bring him back. But I think the Red Sox right now would be better off if they said we're going to commit to a youth movement. We're going to bring these high draft picks that they have in. Let's see what they do, because I think right now it is uh, uh, it's a little of this, a little of that, and that usually doesn't win 
uh, a championship for you. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. Uh, and former Mayor Lang is here until the next break. I appreciate you joining me this Friday evening. A couple of things. We've got calls on the line, 508-996-0500, couple of app chat messages. One is not the other, Dan from New Bedford, who for some time during the interview, you uh, were vexing him, um, but he's come around uh, and said that you are a very relatable guy. And uh, he he appreciates you. Well, that's very nice of him. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, so William from New Bedford, uh, and and this is this is um, this is kind of a this is a question that I think will lead into a conversation about the train. But um, are there plans to redevelop uh, Purchase Street up to Classy Common with the new train station and waterfront development? I thought at some point I had seen a plan to that effect. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I know that there's going to be the crosswalk that goes, I'm sorry, the uh, pedestrian bridge that goes from the uh, the west right. side to the east side. Yeah. Uh, I have to believe that, you know, if you look at that area right now, you go to the old Quest Center, and then there's an undeveloped uh, part of that old uh, SMU uh, textile college that's there, the, the, uh, the north part of the, the mill. You have uh, great news about the armory that is going to be developed. That's in that general area yeah. as well. And then uh, certainly up to the Veterans Transition House. Uh, hello to everyone there, uh, yeah. vets. Uh, God bless I've you. I've had Jim Reed on uh, when I had my Saturday show. They're doing that's, good work oh, over that, there. That's great, yeah. great uh, organization. Uh, that's on the west side. The east side has uh, it's uh, the old Sam Giamavos. You have... Uh, uh, the old um, uh, auto glass uh, place, which has been yep. bought up, right? And, um, and I'm yeah. embarrassed. Gla Glazer Glass. Glazer Glass, yeah. which is a great family-owned uh, business. And yeah. now uh, one side of it is still doing auto glass. The other is is uh, open as far as I know, although I heard someone was looking at that. Um, so it's primed to be redeveloped. Yeah, You got the dipper down there, which uh, they shouldn't touch the dipper. Uh, but I, I think that um, when the train comes in, that's going to be uh, that area is going to be an extremely uh, important area for the city. So I, I, I would think that uh, there have to be plans that are, you know, that are being developed. And it depends on you know, the private sector's got to get in. Yeah. I mean, the government's not going to go in there. And, and if the government does anything, it's it means, uh, you know, the taxpayers are paying for it. So I think the private sector with the guidance of, of the local government, is, is a great candidate for that area. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, my question is for Mayor Lang, I, and I don't know if he dealt with this earlier in the show because I didn't talk with you earlier, but it's on national politics. Uh, the move to try to uh, make the first primary down oh, south, I believe, in, great question. in South Carolina. Uh, I think it's South Carolina, I believe. Uh, does that mean that New Hampshire and the Northeast or New England will lose uh, political clout if that comes to pass? Yes. Here's well. Here's here's just the broad overview for people who don't know. So before Mayor Lang answers okay. the question, so uh, the de the 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 DNC is moving to change the first primary to South Carolina. There used to be Iowa, then New Hampshire, um, then Nevada, then South Carolina, but it's changing now. Um, I've heard uh, Governor Chris Sununu say 
Uh, there's no way that the Democratic Party is going to change what we do. They're not going to change our state laws and tell us when we're going to hold our primary. But uh, what's your um, what's your thought? And, and he also said it's for one. They're doing it for one candidate, which I think is exactly true. But what's your thought on that? So if you're if you're against gerrymandering, then you're against uh, uh, this move. This is a timing uh, gerrymandering uh, move. It is a gerrymander. It, yeah, yeah. It is. it's absolutely. Yeah. So so here. When I worked at the DNC, right, and and that was, uh, it began in 73, but began covering the rules in earnest in uh, in January of 72. But I started working at the DNC specifically on election rules, delegate selection rules. Uh, there have been debates going back since the McGovern-Fraser Commission that was uh, created in 69 after the 1968 uh, convention debacle in uh, in Chicago, and the timing of the of the uh, primaries and caucuses, and it's it's not the primary season; it's the nominating process, right? Because there are many different systems, but that has always been a major debate: Cousins versus Wygoda, which is a Supreme Court decision which came down in the early 70s, basically said that the National Party can establish its own rules for selecting delegates to the National Convention, and that the states have to uh, adhere to these rules. New Hampshire has always maintained that it should be number one. Uh, Iowa and New Hampshire have always jockeyed. Iowa is, is a, a caucus. New Hampshire is a primary. Uh, the fact is, you should not... We have a long history here. Iowa and New Hampshire have always been in the front end of the nominating process. There's no reason that you can't add more states into the front end of the nominating process. But it seems to me that it's very, very dangerous to throw out this, uh, you know, what, what has traditionally been the kickoff of the nominating process because you're trying to load it up uh, with a state that you claim is more demographically, uh, more demographically, uh, uh, attuned to the country. So let me explain something about that. That could be true, but you get extra delegates if you are democratically inclined. South Carolina has two Republican senators. South Carolina, I believe, has six uh, congressional members, and I believe one of them is a Democrat. So if, that, if I'm right about that, that's one out of eight. That is something that should not be rewarded. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have a real problem with what's happening. Now, I was on two delegate selection commissions, uh, the Winograd and the Hunt. I also ran the delegate selection process in 1960. Uh, gee, oh, how old am I? 1976, the Democratic Convention in New York. I, I, I ran that delegate selection process as the executive director of the Compliance Review Commission under the charter of the party. We would not have allowed, we would have gone absolutely nuts. One of the reasons that I had a problem with Carter was because after he was elected in the most open nominating process, he then tried to change the rules to make sure no one challenged him. The same thing now with Biden. You keep, if you do well, you'll do well. If you're not doing well, don't rig the rules. It's not going to work. Yeah. So the idea that we're going to go south, uh, I want to go south, but I don't want to go south at the expense of traditional uh, states that have gone forward first. So I'm for New Hampshire. Yep. I'm for Iowa. I'm also for South Carolina be, being fixed into the mix. I think it was fifth last time. Uh, move it up. It's fine with me. Biden had lost every nomination, 
every nominating process until he got to South Carolina. And lost badly. Uh, badly. And, and Clyburn <laughs> said, this is the guy. Yeah. That's, not, that's not an open nominating process. Right. And then everybody dropped out. Yeah. Now, don't, you know, you can't have a full, meaningful, and timely opportunity to participate when it comes down to a couple of kingmakers saying, here's the nominee. Yep. And if you don't think the nominee is important, then you don't, under, don't understand that unless you're nominated by either the Republican or the Democratic Party, you don't have a ghost of a chance of getting elected in most states for any office unless it's a nonpartisan office. Is so this, this is very important. Is this all payback to the gentleman you just mentioned, Clyborne, for helping Joe Biden get Pro his campaign off? Probably. Except this is the most insignificant payback that you could do. Yeah, right. Okay. And it also is something where, by the way, if Biden's not doing well and he decides to run for re-election, re he's got to get nominated. He goes to South Carolina. Somebody's going to be waiting for him down there and he's going to get a big surprise. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you still have to do a good job. Uh, you, could, you can argue back in 2000. That he well, he's a former v VP. He's the former senator. He's always done a good job. He's a very good man. Let's let's nominate him. And people go, you know, that, all right, that makes sense. But the minute you take the oath of office in front of the in the back end of the Capitol, and uh, and put your hand on the Bible, you start uh, accumulating a record that people count. So if he's doing a good job, if the economy's coming around, it doesn't matter where the first state is. Yeah. If he's not, then they're going to lie and wait. And he's not going to get the result he wants. But don't gerrymand the timing of the process. If it does happen and it goes to South Carolina first, does that mean a great loss of political you know, power in the Northeast? No, but it does mean it's a big hit to the economy. Yeah. Because you, you can't imagine. It's like the circus comes to town every time a candidate mm -hmm. comes in. Now, if, it, if the president's running unopposed... Then I then I think it's a it's a yawn for that for that uh, nominating cycle, uh, but if if you think you're loading this up for either Biden or Harris, you you got a big mistake. Your best intentions never work, and worst intentions never work. Do you think a compromise could be reached where they both have the primary on the same day? It, it, that's perfect, or a couple of days apart, whatever. I mean, it seems to me you know you're only as good as your last primary. And you're only as good as what, how you do in the next one, right? So what you're saying is exactly right. People, Iowa, it gets you on the map. It winnows people out, right? But, but the fact of the matter is that uh, we don't know who won last time because they, they fouled up their uh, Well, yeah, the thing is, is Iowa, Iowa caucus does have to go because it was. That yeah, was they will, or, or do it the old-fashioned way, which means knows, county noses and you get the result in a few days. But also, the press wants instant gratification. They want to project. I always, this was this is what always drove me nuts. You'd be sitting there. Uh, we would there's to win the nomination. Let's say you needed uh, 1,700 delegates, and you would have a projection come on TV that would say, uh, whoever it might be, John Doe, Mary Smith has now taken a major delegate lead. They have 102 delegates, and the ne next nearest one has 32. And you're sitting there going, yeah, and so? That means nothing. You still have 99% of the nominating process to go through. So it's the press. It's the horse race. It's the idea that, you know, big mo, who's going to raise money? If you do it right, if you do it right, Biden did it right last time. His firewall was South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Reagan did it right in 76. He created a uh, firewall 
And uh, he beat Ford then after four or five contests. He got going. Kennedy did it right. Kennedy stayed close until March 3rd. And then we whacked him. I don't know what it was. It was five out of six or six out of seven states. We won. By any rights, we thought sitting president of the United States gets beat in these major states on March 3rd. Probably says, maybe I can't win the general election. Maybe yeah. Kennedy shouldn't be the nominee, mm-hmm. but I don't think I can win the general election. Instead, you know, he said, okay, well, let's go on to the next one, right? The, the fact is the nominating process is really important. The timing's very important. You cannot, it's very dangerous to think that you can put together a nominating process to favor a candidate. That is, that is a kiss of death. Well, again... I, I, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with you, but I, I think Biden seems to be loyal to people who support him, as he was loyal to Marty Walsh, as he was bold, uh, loyal to uh, Gina Raimondo. Yeah, but it has a- more. To, I think it does have more to do with with his electoral prospects than 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 the than the glad handing stuff. Well, I thought the Clyburn thing, you know, made the move to go down to that South Carolina. I think he's trying to reward Clyburn. If I'm it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right about that. But also, you got we're not carrying South Carolina in the general election. Yeah, right. All right, so let's start thinking about it. Exactly. But you may carry New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. So you're not getting the electoral votes out of South Carolina. It's, it's as I said, seven out of eight. Yeah. Well, I hope he sees uh, your point of view, and uh, thank you for it. No, no. I, thanks for calling in. Okay. Bye, bye. All right. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. I yeah, I, I agree. It's it's to favor one candidate. But you don't think Biden should run again, right? No, I don't. I I think that Biden Biden should not run again. And last time we were here, I said that Pelosi and uh, and Clyburn and um, and Steny Hoya have got to go. They, and they went. Did. Yeah. Well, I think they listened to the show. I yeah. Do. I think I they think, listened to the show. So, yeah. They got to go. We together, need yeah. we need a new generation of leaders. Uh, they'll emerge. You need you need to have. Uh, Biden has done a nice job, but it's time to start thinking about who can be president. You know, for for a long haul, who can be leaders for a long haul? We've got a tremendous bench. Let's let them all get out there and, and introduce themselves to the people. Scott Lang, uh, former mayor of New Bedford, uh, our first guest, and we I appreciate you coming on, joining me this Friday night. And uh, again, look forward to uh, seeing your work on the transition team. And uh, I'm confident that you will dutifully represent this region on that on that transition I, team. I promise I'll do that. But I also want to tell you, Marcus, thank you very much. Uh, happy holidays. I, I appreciate being asked on. I, I I love the Friday night spot, quite frankly. It's awesome. It's quiet. It's the end of the week. And uh, it gives, gives you a chance to think. Uh, I, I just urge everyone again, we don't have a local newspaper Pick up the paper, take a look at it, count the six or seven pages in it, see that the headline today is uh, Democrats win Senate race, okay? And you'll realize that it's two or three, it's it's a light year behind. Uh, this radio station, <laughs> this show connects the people to the issues. People should call in, give their opinion, say what they think, you react to it. But this is a centerpiece of keeping a vibrant democracy. Having having a radio show with local people, local issues is really important. So I'm proud to be here. I'll come anytime that uh, that you ask. I also want to say that I miss Chris here tonight. Yes. Chris is always, this is the last time I, I was on about a month ago. Uh, Chris, when I left, said that he feels like Ed McMahon because he, 
uh, he nervously laughs at anything anyone says. Right? <laughs> and I thought about that. And I said, yeah. you know, it's right. But I, I'm hoping he's laughing because what we're saying is kind of in good fun and of funny yeah. versus he thinking he is Ed McMahon. If he really thinks he's Ed McMahon, we need to give him a big raise. <laughs> and he needs to get involved with what that clearinghouse thing where he brings the checks to people's house, whatever it is that, that Ed McMahon used to do. <laughs> right. And also, also endorse Budweiser. So look, thank you very much again. Uh, thanks very much for having me. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. New Bedford's news talk station, 1420 WBSM. Hey, it's data. They know the local issues from the inside out and they call it like they see it. Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow are back with more South Coast Tonight on WBSM. supposed to snow so i thought this was appropriate but i don't see any snow i don't see any precipitation whatsoever so maybe the song wasn't appropriate maybe i should have picked another song i'll be more thematically consistent going forward but welcome back to south coast tonight that was former mayor scott lang uh, a wealth of knowledge not just on the new bedford municipal government front but on the national big picture democratic party stuff because of his long history working with the national party always a great conversation Always a great Friday guest to have on and really appreciated uh, him coming in and giving his thoughts and looking forward to seeing, um, you know, looking forward to him advocating for the South Coast uh, as a member of uh, um, AG Elect Campbell's transition team. I had uh, I had AG Elect Campbell on uh, multiple times over the course of the campaign um, and I've also spoken with her. She, she came down to the South coast quite a bit. Uh, she did make some commitments. Uh, she said she was going to strengthen the new Bedford office. One of the regional offices, um, in, uh, for the attorney general is downtown, uh, in downtown New Bedford. And she says she's, she is committed to strengthening that office in downtown New Bedford. And so, uh, looking forward to seeing, um, how that plays out as well. So five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred is saying in the program. Yeah. So that's interesting, you, you know, um, about the, uh, about the prime, the, the change of primaries. I mean, Massachusetts is a super Tuesday state. So Massachusetts still like, and super Tuesdays typically when things are more or less solidified super Tuesdays when, you know, Joe Biden, um, uh, you know, basically um, solidified his lead uh, and took command of the race. Uh, famously, you know, famously, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg uh, had dropped out um, and uh, and endorsed Joe Biden. They went to Texas where Beto O'Rourke endorsed him as well. And that's how he's able to um, propel himself above uh, Bernie Sanders. But he actually won Massachusetts. One of those races was Massachusetts. 
I don't know if, if Massachusetts loses its power necessarily, or the Northeast does, because Massachusetts still is one of the uh, fundraising, um, one of the fundraising capitals in the of the country in terms of political candidates on both parties coming to the Commonwealth to raise money every time. Biden or Harris comes here, they typically go make a stop in Martha's Vineyard or make a stop somewhere else, somewhere close to do fundraisers. Obama would regularly do fundraisers on the vineyard. I remember he did one in Newport. Um, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who's likely, uh, if not definitely, going to run for president, uh, did a fu- uh, $5,000 ahead fundraiser uh, in Nantucket before sending uh, planefuls of migrants to the um, uh, island just a few miles uh, west uh, of Nantucket, and uh, Trump has done fundraisers here, and so was Mike Pence when they were when they were president as well. So Massachusetts still a, a very um, uh, you know a a spigot of of campaign finance opportunities for candidates with national aspirations. You know what's interesting about that is, like I said earlier. Chris Sununu, who's the governor of New Hampshire, uh, he is the son of John Sununu, the brother of, I forget his brother's name. Is it John Sununu, the, like the second? <laughs> I think it might be. But his brother was a U.S. senator for, for New Hampshire. His father was the governor of New Hampshire. And his uh, his father was also chief of staff at George H.W. Bush. Certainly, uh, you know, um, for all intents and purposes, a, a political royalty in New Hampshire, but in, in the Republican Party, he said uh, there's no chance New Hampshire changes its primary date um, to accommodate one candidate. And as Mayor Lang said, uh, and it's correct, it's it is a it is a gerrymander uh, of timing because they want to set it up for Joe Biden. And Chris Nunu pointed that out. Because it's very obvious on its face why they're doing it. They're doing it for one candidate. And Sununu said, we're not changing our election laws and our election infrastructure for one candidate. Right? We're not doing that. So they can do what they want, but we're we're not changing any dates. So, I mean, I don't know how that plays out. Do they move the South Carolina primary up? Or do they maybe do the South Carolina primary on the same day as the New Hampshire primary? I'm not sure. Uh, make it kind of like a pre-Super Tuesday. Add some of those states. I do think Iowa being the first state uh, is something that's not necessary. In fact, probably shouldn't continue. The Iowa caucus, especially after what happened last time, was uh, an absolute disaster. It, it's to, to, to call it incompetent, I think, is the most charitable interpretation. But hey, listen, I got to take this break. I'll be right back. The WBSM app is 